I believe that there's a lot of confusion as it relates to the as it relates to the person of the Holy Spirit in our world today, but also even in many churches today. Um, I think sometimes we tend to treat the Holy Spirit as the kid at Christmas. What I mean by that is this: How many of you, whenever you went to Grandma's house at Christmas time, you were the got to the kids' table? I was the only one, me and my wife. Okay, so we uh, sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit, I think, that way. And what would happen is we get all the, t- the things, and you get all your food together, and then they take you to the kids' table, and it's almost like, okay, when we're ready for you, we'll come get you kind of deal. When, when, uh, when we're done and we're ready then to, to open presents, we're ready to do whatever at Christmas time, we will come get you. And I think sometimes we do that as the, with the Holy Spirit. We, we want to do it our way and say, okay, I'll call on you when I'm done. We want to have uh, things happen the way we want them to happen, where we dictate what goes on in our life and we really don't want the Holy Spirit to play a significant role. We just want Him to kind of be there when we need Him. Kind of deal. Some of you may know our, our services as such. Maybe, maybe there are churches that, that kind of conduct themselves that way. They, they don't really want the Spirit of the Lord to move. Um, they want it to be more regimented in man's thought processes. And one thing for us that has always been my desire um, is I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, not just in, my ser- in the services that we have together. I want to le- be led by the Holy Spirit at Walmart. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit with my family. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit everywhere I go all the Time and, and I think sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our mind around the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and we understand the idea, the, the part of the Trinity we understand. We understand the Heavenly Father because most of us, whether that be good or bad, we had a father figure in our life. And so we kind of get that. We, we understand the concept of a, of a father. We, we really get the idea of Jesus because he put on flesh and blood and, and dwelt among us. And we have accounts of, of what he did and what he said. And, and we understand that thought process. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I think it's more difficult to wrap our minds around. And so when we can't justify or control or wrap our minds around something, what do we tend to do? We tend to block it out. We tend to push it away. We tend to say, well, whatever, just let it be okay. It, it's, it's not for me. We tend to do all of those kind of things whenever we can't understand something. And today, I, I want to challenge you with this thought this morning. As we talk these next several weeks about the Holy Spirit, I want you to open up your heart, and I want you to open up your mind. And and what I mean by that is this. I'm not asking you to believe the things that I say just because I said them. I'm not, we don't force anybody to do anything here. That's not what Biesville Assembly of God Church is about. We just invite you to come along with us on a journey. And we're all trying to journey and get closer to God. We're all trying to do this thing where whatever God has for my life is what I want. Whatever God wants to do in me is what I want Him to do in me. You understand what I'm saying? 
And so that thought process is what we want to have happen. We want to challenge you with that. Don't just push away this idea of of the Holy Spirit in your life. We want you to be open and to just say, God, whatever it is that you have, I want. But sometimes it's it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around that. What, What does He do? What's His role? You know, I think a lot of people think of the Holy Spirit as the crazy uncle that you have in your family that you never know what you're going to get when they come over. Anybody got one of those? Yeah. Right? You, you invite, because you never know what they're going to say. You never know what they're going to do. You can't, uh, you can't plan it. They're unpredictable. Um, and, and so we have a hard time kind of wrapping our minds around that idea because we have this mindset that, man, the Holy Spirit is like crazy Uncle Billy. He's just nuts. And you just can't. But that's not what the Holy Spirit's about. We're going to talk about it. We're going to break that down. His desire, the, the Spirit of God exists to help us, to help produce intimacy with God with all, for all people. Did you catch that? If I was going to sum up this thought process on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit exists to produce intimacy with God for all people. The Bible says that no one comes to uh, Jesus. Nobody gets saved unless the Holy Spirit draws him. That's a definite role that he plays. And um, the Holy Spirit, whether you want to see it or not, is very active of our lives. I think sometimes we just fail to recognize it. Um, it's our desire, it's my desire that you and I, we live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there's a, a um, I'm going to try to do this without making this a big catastrophe. There's a thought process that goes into that. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says, and Pastor Black hit on this Wednesday night in our study. The Bible says that, I, that God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. How many of you know that when Jesus left this earth, the, the, where that was found in the book of Joel became fulfillment in the, in the book of Acts? God poured out his spirit on all flesh. That began the church age, if you will. And so God is pouring out his spirit, and he wants to pour his his spirit into all flesh. He wants to pour it out lavishly. God wants to pour. The problem with us is we get too much of us in the process, in the way. And what we end up having is we have a little bit of this, a little bit of pride that we can't do, and, and some of these um, understandings, and some of these habits, and some of these addictions, and, and they fill up our life, and our wants, and our desires, and our control, and our stuff. And so what happens is when God tries to pour His Spirit in our, our cup, it may come out a little bit, but what happens is there's so much. We may get a little bit of God in here, but what happens is we don't get the fullness of the amount because we've got the cup too full of us for God to pour anything else into. Oh, come on. And I think sometimes what we need to do is start taking some of these things out. God, I pray that you'd help me kill my pride. God, I pray that you'd help me with this habit that I've got, that I just, I gotta get, I gotta be able to do, get rid of that. I pray, God, that you'd help me with my addiction. I pray, God, that you'd help me get through and give me freedom and break the yoke of bondage that sets captives free. I pray, God, that you'd help me to see others and not just be so focused on myself and my selfish desires. And what begins to happen, Lord, and behold, we begin to get more of us out of the way and God can pour more of himself into us. But the problem is we've got so many people that keep the stuff 
And we want it both ways. We want this fullness of the Spirit of God. We want God to move in our life like never before. We want this to happen and be an amazing, awesome encounter with Jesus, but we're not really ready to get rid of the stuff. We want God to fill around the stuff. And while He is pouring out His Spirit, what tends to happen is, I don't know if you can see this water or not, He begins to pour out His Spirit. And yeah, we might get a little bit of God in our life, but what happens is this water begins to, this is a whole lot clearer than this one. And it gets a little murky. And it gets a little nasty. Why? Because you want the Spirit of God, but you're not willing to deal with you. God wants to pour. He is constantly pouring. And anybody who, the greatest thing about, as you read Scripture, the greatest thing about this is anybody who wants more of God can have it. Isn't that awesome? There's an old saying, it goes like this, you have as much of God as you want. Right now, at this point in your life, no matter where you are, I just turned another year old yesterday. At 46 years old, I've got as much of God as I want in my life. And by the way, my wife still called me hot at 46. I thought that was amazing. Matter of fact, if she thinks I'm going to be hot, I might leave at this temperature for a while. But the thought process is we have as much of God as we want. You have as much of God in your life as you want right now. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because God is waiting just, He is pouring out His Spirit. It's just up to us to get us out of the way so that we can hear it and listen and get apart and plugged in and be part of the journey. You have as much of God as you want right now. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to hit some different things over the next several weeks. We're, we're going to talk about the, the, how He equips us. We're going to talk about the, the things that we even experienced this morning, about how God does that in public settings of words of prophecy and knowledge and tugs, interpretation, those kind of things. We're going to hit some of that next week. Uh, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit on uh, June the 3rd. That's the, the game plan and the thought process there. But today, as we start this journey, I'm going to bring up three characteristics of the Holy Spirit that we want to hit on today. Three characteristics of the Holy Spirit we want to hit on today. On the day of Pentecost, happy Pentecost Sunday. Amen. We are a Pentecostal church, and we want uh, to give some understanding of what that really means and what we think of that. Number one is found in the book of John, chapter 14, and that is this. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. The Holy Spirit comforts. John, chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commands. Notice he doesn't say, this kind of deals a little bit here with the old stuff in the glass thing concept. If you love me, keep my commands. And, and, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That word advocate, if you look that up in the Greek, uh, maybe your version of the Bible says comforter. Maybe it says counselor. Um, 
Actually, that word in the Greek means all three things. It means to counsel, to comfort, to advocate for. All of those things are enveloped in that Greek word that's found in this passage in John 14. And he says this in verse 17, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The spirit of truth. That's who he is. The world can't accept him. Why? Because they got too much stuff in their jar. Too much of them. And they don't see it. They don't recognize it. Can't accept it. But he says that he will be our comfort. Have you ever noticed that our society, we strongly lean towards comfort? Let me have an easy chair. I just replaced mine because the other one was uncomfortable. Right? I, I went downstairs and it just it hit my feet wrong and it hurt my legs and got sticking to. You wait, and we wait until they get all the way to the place where it's just like no more, right? The spring's in the back and the thing is just terrible. And I had to get a new one because it, it had to be nap worthy, right? We like comfort. In our society, we are a people that make machines do all the hard work so that we can be comfortable. We work hours designed to give us a comfortable balance between work and play. We seek out furnishes in our furnishings in our home that enable us to be comfortable. We, oh my goodness, we've had such a mess. You ever had a washing machine go out? You don't realize how much a blessing a washing machine is until it goes out. Ours went out about a couple weeks ago, and it has been like, oh, trials and tribulations, and, and Tim, it's just been terrible. Um, and we just, I just kept praying, James, you know, that trying works faith, and, and uh, you know, it's like gold, and, you know. I, my clothes are getting clean somehow, some way. My wife is doing it. Bless God, they smell good still, and and uh, and it's awesome and, and it's great. And uh, we we love those kind of furnishings from home. We don't have the the washboard thing to go out in the creek and, and and do that. Why? Because it's nice, it's comfortable. We like to just throw our clothes in and push the button and and go pick them up in an hour when they're done and put them in the dryer and and they're done. And it's like, oh, wasn't that awesome? We like that. But comfort is, is something we really strive for in our society. We choose social gatherings. We, we look for friends that we can be comfortable with. We heat and cool our homes with devices that make life more comfortable no matter what the season. Why are we have such this drive for comfort? Because I think in some ways, and, and to be honest, for those that have been overseas, you know that this drive isn't over there as much as it is here. You know why I think that kind of is? We look for comfort because we don't have any deep within. We're looking to get comfortable because we are the most restless of societies. You know, as we look at this scripture, obeying Jesus' commands, they're not always easy, but they involve loving and giving in a world that can be very draining, all the things that come against us, 
where do we go to get the power to keep going? Where do we find comfort to give out to others? Jesus says this. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to send another comforter, another advocate to help us, especially whenever we need him too. You see, Jesus, if you know about this passage of Scripture, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, guess what? I'm getting ready to leave you. And whenever he says that, there's this sense of anxiety that comes upon them because they're like, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? I've been with him for three years, and, but Jesus assures them that, hey, there's a plan. There's a, another comforter, and he's not going to leave you just by yourself. This comforter is going to be called the Spirit of Truth because he will reveal himself, and he will be left to give you the Word of God, which is truth, and he will ignite the Word of God in your life, and it will begin to jump off the page to you as you begin to read it and dwell it and put it here. In your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of truth. The Word of God is one of the, you know, a lot of times we look for comfort in so many things and we fail to go to here because this is a place where you find comfort. This is a place where you find peace in the midst of a storm. This is the place where you find, the, the, as the Bible says, shelter in the shadow of His wings. There's assurance to know, and the Holy Spirit brings those verses to our memory, and He helps us when we put this Word in our heart and we put it in our mind. He helps those things to come back and to jump off the page at you. Have you ever been through a, a difficult season of life, and all of a sudden, man, a Scripture came to your mind, or somebody spoke something, and it was just like, wow, that goes right along with what I did today in my devotion, or, or God speaks something to you, and it's like, man, He took me right to the passage of Scripture. He took me right what I needed. Needed, when I needed it. And it helped you through. The Holy Spirit does that. It's at those times when we need reassurance to know that we're His. You know, when kids are little, you take them in the pool. and When, when they get into the shallow end of the pool, they're really cool as long as they can stand and, and everything's good, right? But whenever we start, they start to kind of get a little bit brave and they go a little farther and all of a sudden they realize the water's like up to here and then they're on their tiptoes and it's not comfortable. What do they do? They run back to the shallow end. But there's a time, I, I remember this, uh, there's a picture um, we have of, of my, my son and I'm holding him. He's pretty young, probably like two, maybe one or two. And we're in the pool, but... Whenever he's got a hold of me, we walk out a little deeper. And we cross into deeper waters. You know why? Because he had a complete confidence and trust in me that I wasn't going to let him go. So we go out in deeper waters where it wasn't over my head, but it was over his. And he'd hold on tight. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. In the midst of times, and, and there have been times in my life when I felt like the storms were raging and the water was over my head, but I grabbed a hold of God, and the Holy Spirit was my comfort, and he helped me through those situations. Second thing that I want us to, to talk about today with the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8.
verses 26 and 27. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just felt helpless? Maybe even felt a little unsure. Didn't know if you were making the right decision or not. Didn't know if you had the solution to the, the problem you were facing. And maybe one of those difficult things is, man, sometimes you just don't even know what to do. But you just pray, God, help me do the right thing. I know that there have been times in my life when that was the case. Times in my life when God told me to take, I felt like the Lord was leading me to take a step of faith, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I didn't know exactly where that was even going to take me or where I was going to go, but I knew that if I took that step of faith that he'd meet me there and he'd be with me um, and he'd intervene and help me as long as I did the right thing. If I kept, as Jesus said in John 14, keep his commands, he would help me along the, the journey. What a sense of peace there is to know that that's the case. When the Holy Spirit does in our life, when we face situations where we're uncertain to do, or maybe just what is the right thing to do, maybe you've been questioned with those kind of things. Maybe you faced this circumstances when in your life when you just simply had no control. You had no control over the circumstances. You had no control over the things that were going to happen. You just had to just trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding, but in everything acknowledge Him and know that He was going to make your path straight. There are things in life that we don't know, man. I can't tell you why things happen. I can't tell you always why bad things happen. I can't tell you why things happen to, to this person or that person or to you or to me. But one thing I do know is this, that if I put my hand and my trust in the Lord and I lead, let Him lead me, He'll take me where He wants to go. He'll intervene in my life and take me where He wants me to be. And the Holy Spirit also operates, as it says here, as an intercessor. You ever had times in prayer and you just didn't know what to pray for? Or sometimes words just didn't come to you? I, I know that I've, I've had that happen to me at times. A terrible situation is, happens or something goes awry. Somebody's life is in the balance or something happens and you're just like, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. I, I don't even know what to even say here, Lord. But I want you to hear my heart, Lord. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord just starts praying through you. We believe that's part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe that's part of that. We're going to get into that in a couple weeks. But we also believe that the Spirit of the Lord just gives us inkling of how to pray. There have been times... That I've been, I've prayed for other people, and you've prayed for them too, and you didn't even know what the need was, but you lay your hands on me, we begin to pray, and God begins to reveal things, and you start praying, and you don't even know what they're going through or what they're facing, but you just start praying, and the Holy Spirit just reveals that stuff to you, and then all of a sudden, as you're done praying, they'll look at you, they'll catch up with you later, and they're like, "You've been reading my mail? You've been something going on? Who told you?" 
I mean, I, I don't, nobody told me. I, I, just, I just felt like when I was praying that the Holy Spirit was intervening. And he just told me that that's what I should pray for you about. There have been times like that. It's when the Holy Spirit comes in. Because let's be honest, we're weak. And sometimes I don't know how to pray or what to pray for, but I need him. When I'm in my weakness, he makes me strong. Amen. Finally today, the Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers. Turn again to Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts begins a new segment of church life. It actually is the beginning of church is in the book of Acts. One of the greatest events in the New Testament is Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the baptism of the Holy Spirit does more to spread the gospel message than any other single event. And these believers were filled with power. The Holy Spirit empowers. That's the third point. They were filled with power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. You know, I, I stopped to think about that for just a minute. And there are these guys that followed Jesus. They had been with Jesus for three years, man. They'd seen him face to face. They knew who he was. They would recognize him in a crowd. They would be right there all the time with him. And Jesus told him, listen, I'm getting ready to leave. And when I leave, you need to go to this upper room and you need to wait because you need power. He didn't tell them that, hey, man, I'm leaving. You got a job to do. There's no plan B. Have at it. Good luck, boys. We'll see you soon. He didn't say that, did he? He said, listen, here's what needs to take place. It was 40 days since he'd, been, has, since he'd rose from the dead. He said, this is what you guys need to do. You need to go wait. You need to go upstairs and wait because you need this power in your life. you got to have it. And so what did they do? They went up and waited. And for 10 days they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And on that day of Pentecost, the Bible says when the day of Pentecost finally came, there was a rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire came down on their heads and they spoke in other tongues. It wasn't just about the tongues. That's, we're going to get through that. It's not just about that. They needed the power. Acts 1 verse 7 says this, Jesus is talking about, because one of them asked them, he says, when are you going to restore the kingdom? And, and he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power. We need power. You know, this last year, I had the privilege of going to Niagara Falls, not just once, but twice. I like Niagara Falls. It's a fun place. I spent a lot of money there, but it's a fun place. Went to, uh, on the Maid of the Mist ride. Anybody ever been on the Maid of the Mist ride? That is a cool ride. And that is so much fun. You go down, and they take you on a boat, and they give you this poncho that helps, like, very little. And they... they and, and you're wearing this poncho and, and you're riding on this boat and you get all the misty waters from the falls and you're just like trying to take pictures and you can't see anything. The water's coming at you. Like, you end up, you got pictures of the crew and the captain and the boat and you got nothing in the falls. 
we finally, my son had a GoPro, and we just kind of stuck it up in the water, <laughs> kind of put our head down, hoping we're not getting like the sky or something, you know. I, I don't know. I never saw those pictures. I don't know how they turned out. Hopefully good. Um, but, uh, but anyway, the idea of the Made of the Mist thing is this. You get to be a part of the experience and experience the falls on the Made of the Mist ride. See, I could do a commercial for them. Experience the falls on the Made of the Mist ride. And they take you there, and it's, oh, it's just, it's amazing. But that's not really the purpose of Niagara Falls for the people that live around there. The, peop- the purpose of the falls is to produce rushing water. That's what that does. And they use that rushing water to produce power. Power for their electric hydropower. You see, a lot of Christians, we, we want to do that that, that way. We, we want to be part of the made of the mist. Because as, as long as we're a part of the made of the mist, we, we get all happy and woo, when the Holy Spirit kind of mists on us. Woo, we get them warm, feely faces and all that good stuff. But the thing is, is this, I am the one who controls the made of the mist ride. You know why? Because I can go inside. I don't have to stay out there in that, in that mist. I can go in the boat and not get one drop of water on me at all. And sometimes we take our experience with the Holy Spirit that way. We want a little mist here and there. Woo! Jump out here. Whoa! Jump back in. Right? We jump back out here and we're like, oh! And we treat the Holy Spirit like he's some kind of circus attraction. When he says, that's not what I came. The reason why we like the boat is because we like the control. We like the control. Remember what I taught, said earlier? Sometimes we think he's the crazy uncle because there's no control. We, we can't control it. But that's when he moves in your life the most. I heard this saying once, you can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both. You can be on the boat in the made of the mist ride and get in a little shower here and there, or you can jump in and say, God, I'm all in. I'm all yours. I'm going all out. You know, there's two words for power in that passage of Scripture I read. The first one is, is just exusa. Exusa. And uh, that translated, that's in verse 7 when that word authority is mentioned. Um, we get our English word exertion from this. It has more to do with a conferred power, a transfer of kind of power that way. The second one is this. It's dunamis power. The verse 1-8, uh, that power that Jesus says you will receive power. It's not exusa power. It is dunamis power. That word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite from. And it has more to do with the power in the sense of what God will do in you and through you and what the power will take place from the inside out. The first scripture we read today talked about the fact that God was going to do something different. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just going to be something that was going to be with you. The transition was going to be, it was going to be in you. And in Acts 1.8, he says, listen, when the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to receive this dynamite like power and it will consume you he'd already given them authority but now they needed another kind of power that would transform their life for you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, the thing that uh, I think the challenge for us is this. Do we want the mist? Do we want the rushing waters? I have a challenge today. I actually have a couple challenges for us this morning. Some of you are here today and, you know, the Holy Spirit's pouring out himself and he wants to pour out himself on you. But you got too much stuff. Got too much of you. Got too many things in your life that are keeping you from being filled. And so what do you do? You keep the things and you settle for the mist. God's wanting you to go in, all in. Sometimes I think, God, and, and in my life, I, every day I want to be able to say, God, in my life, show me what these things are. God, show me what these things are because I need to make sure that I get rid of them. Show me what these things are, Lord, because I want more of you in my life. John the Baptist said it this way. He must increase, I must decrease. I gotta get less of me. I gotta get less of my stuff.